Millions of frontline workers keep our economy running and are provided with the latest technology to do their jobs. But digital adoption, especially by frontline workers, is really hard. This is Frontline Innovators. We explore how to overcome challenges and achieve success when we empower our essential workers. I'm Justin Lake. And I'm Gene Signorini. Together, we speak with experts who are leading the way and driving digital transformation to the front line. This podcast is sponsored by Skillful on a mission to help frontline workers learn and use the technology needed to succeed in their jobs. I'm your host, Justin Lake. And really excited about today's episode. Uh, today's guest has extensive experience with predictive maintenance and has several ProSize certifications, which we are going to explore a little bit today. He is currently the Enterprise Asset Management Change Management and Training Lead at Evergy. Please welcome Jason Herman. Hello, Jason. Yeah, hi. Good to meet you. Glad to be here. Thank you so much for joining today. As you know, we start every podcast with the same question, which is, uh, what do you think see being the biggest challenge facing the deskless workforce today? I think the biggest, uh, gosh, that's tough. But I think if I had to say the biggest one is just the, um, you know, we've really just over the last couple of years with COVID, there's a lot of us um, that have got kind of cast into, into that world. But I think the biggest um, challenge that I see is just the technology piece of it. Um, you know, I, Many of us come from a, you know, come from a culture and a background where, um, you know, it's not digitized, right? Everything out there is, is not digital, it's paper, it's ingrained in, in people's heads and um, a lot of that stuff. And I think just that te the technology um, and, you know, learning the technology and, and I think that's, that's the biggest challenge that I see. I mean, yeah. You know, that's near and dear to our heart in my day job uh, at Skillful where, where we work on, on those exact challenges every day. So it's, it's not surprising to hear, you know, you talking about that. Tell me a little bit about, I, I want to come back to some of those topics. I, I know you've been involved in some um, projects that involve, you know, putting technology out to the men and women on the front lines. But before we even get into those things, I'd like to just table that. I'd really like to give our audience an opportunity to get to know you a little bit about uh, your background and kind of get some perspective on uh, where you came from. So uh, feel free to go back as, as far as you'd like to go and uh, tell us how you uh, ended up in the role that you're in today. Yeah, you bet. So as you mentioned earlier, my current role for the last couple of years is I'm on a long-term um, um, big project. It's an, an enterprise asset management project where we're kind of um, bringing together a, a whole number of legacy uh, EAM systems together into one system. And with that, we've, we're, we're, we're kind of uprooting the underlying um, business processes along with that and in the maintenance and operations world. And along with that comes the technology. But previous to that, I, I definitely, um, there's a lot of IT uh, stuff that goes along with, with this role today. Um, but that wasn't me in the past, that the past 20, 27 years, uh, I've been a maintenance person. So I actually started out uh, right out of high school, um, went into, into the Air Force and was an aircraft mechanic, worked on uh, A-10s and F-16s and stuff like that. And, and uh, um, I didn't go to college till later on in life. So I, I got out of the military, then I immediately went into uh, uh, you know, the industry and the chemical industry um, as a, as a multi-craft uh, mechanic. Um, did mechanical, electrical work, heavy industrial, um, did that for a few years. And then um, I, I was, um, 
I was fortunate enough to have a, have a supervisor and a boss that was uh, kind of on the front lines of, of, you know, technology too, with vibration analysis and all that. He put some equipment in my hands, um, that I really took, uh, took an interest in, um, spent a couple of years with that company learning, learning about vibration analysis and how to, how to, how, um, how to precisionally align, you know, uh, equipment and different things like that and using lasers. And then I had an opportunity after that uh, to go to work full-time for a company doing that full-time all across the, the Midwest. Um, spent about seven years, got to work under a couple of really uh, um, incredible people that spent about 50 years in the vibration world and uh, got to learn how to balance machinery, um, everything from, from little squirrel cage fans up to steam turbines and power plants. Um, so I got to learn from them and, and literally every day I was somewhere else balancing machinery and doing stuff like, like that. And, and just analyzing vibration, got a little bit into infrared thermography, oil analysis and different stuff. So after that, I, uh, um, the thing that really drew me, my, probably the most, the, the favorite thing about that job was really just, uh, um, the big, huge, heavy equipment that I got, you know, the steam turbines, the big, huge, and, and you know, induced draft fans that are the size of, uh, um, you know, three school buses in a row, you know, just these huge things. And that really, I got really drawn to that. And uh, that's how I came to work. I had an opportunity to come to work in the power industry and, and uh, um, did that, came on board for the company I work now for a utility. I've been with them for about 18 years and started out in predictive maintenance, but uh, quickly kind of moved my way through, through maintenance planning, um, supervision, um, ended up uh, then Prior to this, uh, uh, my last role was actually maintenance superintendent at one of our biggest coal plants. Uh, um, had a had a group uh, that I led that was about 70, 75 folks. Um, lots of um, supervisors, planners, and, and then the craft craft folks that were part of that group. So, yeah. Okay. So, this is not in our outline for frontline innovators, but I have to just ask you a question and geek out for a, a moment because you mentioned the word vibration about 15 times as you were explaining that. <laughs> and I've had a client in the past that did some predictive analytics based on vibrations. Would you share with me and our audience what you're talking about with the vibration analysis, please? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, every, there's every, um, piece of equipment that rotates out there rotating equipment in particular um you know they run they have a normal signature that when everything is going well everything is going right you can get that baseline um and you can re record that baseline and all the different frequencies that go along with the rotating events with that and you 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 uh you know you can baseline that and understand the numbers along with that so then you routinely um you can go and retake those vibration readings over time and based on those vibration readings, you can start seeing the different frequencies that change that that can that can give you kind of a, a, a kind of a visual into when things are changing and, and why they're changing, what's changing. It's called predictive maintenance, you know, and it gives you the ability to kind of um, instead of just waiting for things to, to break down or um, you can kind of forecast that based on when you start to start seeing things trending you can then you know shut it down on your own time plan schedule that and then go in and address just the thing that's causing the problem so if a piece of machinery is going out of balance you know the vibration signature would tell you that you could go on there and clean it uh, maybe balance it if you need to and get it back to that good running state before it you know vibrates itself apart but um, you can tell a lot it's uh, a lot from the vibration signature of of a machine um, it's really it's it's a uh, it's pretty neat. It's a predictive maintenance tool. And it got to the point where it used to be early on. It was all just uh, um, 
um, you know, people walking around with just portable data collectors, um, you know, collecting data. Um, actually, even before that, it started out with the little, uh, just the little paper screens with the little, you know, charting it, paper charts, and then it moved to digital. And and today, it's it's gotten so far advanced too that uh, you know we just you can you have re remote online monitors that do that, and you can monitor it all centrally from a central locations. So, so if you have like in a scenario where you have an eight cylinder diesel engine and something's going wrong, can you tell that it's the fifth cylinder that's causing the problem that's got a bad O-ring or something? Or is there something else that it, like, or is it just that, hey, this thing's not running right. And so you've got to do an overhaul. Oh yeah, I mean, you, you can definitely, and there's some other diagnosis when you get into like, you know, um, combustion, internal combustion engines and diesels that, that you can couple up with that to help understand though, that absolutely, yes, it's, uh, you know, that thing's going to, that, that crankshaft is rotating at a known RPM at any point in time, and that'll show up on the vibration signature. Um, and, you know, coupled up with, with compression information and different things like that, you can absolutely tell exactly where, where, where the problem is inside that engine. Yep. Yeah, that's absolutely fascinating. Well, cool. I, I know that's not really uh, typically on our agenda for, uh, for this podcast, but I'm, I'm just absolutely fascinated by that. And, you know, in, in the industrial world, you know, anything that we can do to avoid downtime of that equipment, or at least unplanned downtime uh, of that equipment is, is obviously worth investing in. And obviously you spent, um, you know, a good part of your career trying to help figure that stuff out. So I'm, I'm pretty fascinated by that. Yep. No problem. So in your role today, now you're in enterprise asset management, change management. What is that? What does that mean? Help, help us understand the kinds of projects that you're involved with and, um, you know, the types of things that you're implementing in your current role. Yeah. So the, so the company that I, that I work for, I mean, I work for, for Evergy, we're a, we're a utility in, in Missouri and Kansas, but you know, we're, we're a, we're a merged company, right? Um, we're a combination of legacy companies, really about four uh, different companies uh, that merged together. And, and those were all separate entities that had their own, uh, you know, systems and, and, and enterprise asset management systems or computer computerized maintenance management systems that they they use to um, you know uh, manage uh, manage all the assets that they that they operate and maintain within within all their facilities right so with that um, merger happened um, and it's it's really hard you know across organization like like that when you have all those different things out there to, to kind of just baseline and and look at your data across all those organizations because it's not consistent there's no consistency there a lot of our systems are not even supported anymore some of the systems we use um, they were put installed back in the 80s and early 90s they're not even supported any longer so it, it comes with uh, and it's not just on the generation side of our company too it's also on the distributions and transmission sides is there's a lot of benefit in bringing everybody onto the same system. Um, we talk about enterprise asset management, you know, as a company, we have hundreds of thousands of assets out there, whether it's a steam turbine, like I talked about earlier, turning at a power plant or a transformer out on a pole somewhere. Those are all assets that we have to we buy it at some point. We have to manage the operations and maintenance of that over the life cycle of that. And then someday we have to retire it. So there's an enormous, enormous amount of management and, and structure that has to be in place to help all that uh, help all that happen. So that's what EAM for us is enterprise asset management. It's just bringing the, the, the processes um, and the tools in place, putting it standardizing and putting it into our folks hands. So we're all speaking the same language and using the same tools. So that's the project that we're on. Um, that started a couple of years ago down that path. It's about a five to six year project. We're, we're all, we're not even halfway done with it yet. Um, 
but with that project uh, as well comes, um, you know, we're bringing technology in, into the fold too. We're, we're doing things like, you know, um, putting, you know, putting tablets in our, our craft people's hands where they, they're used to always just getting paper, paper uh, um, work orders and, and whatnot. So, so that's kind of what the project is. Now me, I didn't come over on this project as a change management person. Um, in fact, I thought I knew a little bit about change management and, you know, at leading, leading departments before this, before I came onto this project. But honestly, I really don't think I knew anything about change management before a couple of years ago. So I came on as a, as a subject matter expert and SME, you know, I was, uh, um, I've had a lot of experience in the different roles throughout the, throughout my career. And I, uh, yeah, I worked on our old EAM systems and that was just, uh, I, I was, I was fortunate enough to get an offer to come over and be part of it. And when, when offered, I said, heck yeah, why not? So <laughs> But uh, anyways, uh, about six months in, um, they were looking, uh, looking for a change management and training um, lead uh, for the whole project. And I had a little bit of interest in the training piece of that. I have a huge interest in, in uh, just education and knowledge transfer and training people. Um, I, just, I love something I love doing. So that was the piece of it. But the change management piece of it came with it. So um, I came on uh, the project. Um, we actually had our first rollout at our nuclear facility. Um, just a small piece of it. Um, and we really didn't have much of a structured approach for change management. Um, got through it. Wouldn't say we got through it great. Um, but we, what we did realize is we, we had to had to have a structured approach for what was coming because the rest of the project was about 20 fold of what we just we just did. So um, went, uh, you know, uh, hired some some folks, some consultants to come on board, some change management experts to work with with me. Um, I kind of followed them around and ran with them for a while and then learned all I could from them. Uh, we kind of um, we kind of uh, hitched our wagon to uh, you know a, a, a framework uh, of that ProSci. It's a company out there that ProSci uh, brought, and then we started learning uh, their framework. And I went and got certified as a change practitioner. I ended up going through train the trainer uh, for a couple different courses, and, and we went down that path. and And actually, today we're wrapping up. Uh, we actually um, part of our plan because when you talk about change. Um, I'm a change practitioner as part of this big project, but we, we can't do it all. I have a team of just a few people, but really every person has a part in, in the change, right? Everybody from our, from our sponsors, our executives behind this project, clear down to that person, that end user that's being impacted by this change. They may not know they're part of, they have a role in this change, but right. they do. So what's critical though, is, is our leadership, the, the leadership of those folks that are impacted. So we went down the path in our strategy that we are going to pull all of our leadership into this as part of uh, the chain, as part of our change team. And we're just wrapping up, putting all of them through and leading their team through change uh, workshops um, over once we're done uh, over um, about 400 people, supervisors, leaders, uh, we have led and, and put through a leading your team change type type workshop or something similar to that um, to give them a, you know, a project update, but also give them some of the tools as leaders, the change management tools that, that they need to uh, help lead their folks through this huge change that's coming with them. So. That's a, a massive investment. And, um, you know, it's, it's great to hear that you and your, your team and your company are supporting that as strategically as you are. That's fantastic. That's going to make that experience for the men and women on the front line in particular, uh, that much better if everybody's totally bought into the change and, and how you're going about executing that. That's pretty fascinating. Yeah. yeah we, we didn't do a very good job, you know, and I, I think, uh, um, you know, with a, talked about a merger as well, you know, I, I think that's a huge change and our people have, have, have navigated it as best they could. 
Um, but you know what? It, it's with all the change coming on. I mean, I, I think our, our company kind of um, we kind of we standardized in some way on that framework as well. Um, and I think it's it's really coming into play that, you know, we, we need to do a better job equipping our leaders, you know, with with uh, the tools that they can help their folks move through change. Because It's not this isn't the last change they're going to experience. It's going to continue to happen. Um, we got to make sure we're set up to help help our folks be successful. So for sure. You know, in the beginning, uh, we I asked you the question about the biggest challenge facing, you know, the deskless workforce. I'm curious, you probably talked to some of the men and women that are on the front lines that are that have been, you know, affected uh, lately by all the changes going on in the world and, and inside your company, right? So you're talking about all the massive changes going on inside your company. But there's also been these kind of macro changes with the pandemic and, and all of the changes to how yeah. things are, are happening in our world right now. So if we were to ask some of the men and women on your front lines in your organization what they see as the biggest challenge that they're facing today, would they say the same thing or would they have a, a different take on that? Well, I think one of the things that they'll, they'll tell you is, um, you know, we're doing a lot more with a lot less today. And I, I don't that's not just our industry. I think that's everybody. Um, you know, the, 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 the power generation industry in general, we're, we're not the same that we were even 10, 15, 20 years ago. Right. That whole industry has changed so much with the, you know, with, uh, you know, predominantly, you know, the industry has been in this country, it's been a heavy reliance on fossil fuels, right. Um, lots of coal plants and that's, that's changed, right. That, that, that's, that's changed a lot. It's probably going to, you know, continue to to change, you know, over the next 50 years, because we've had these things called renewables come on board with, with the, you know, wind turbines, which are, you know, which are just killing. I think there, there's some points in time, there's some times within the state of Kansas too, that here that, that uh, I think 50 to 50 to 60% of our native load is being generated by our wind turbines out here. Wow. The wind never stops in Kansas. I mean, it's, yeah. uh, but it's, it's pretty incredible. And then solar's coming on too. So the renewables, um, has definitely had an impact on those base, those, how we operate our base load units. Now, pretty fortunate. I think, uh, the, the leadership within our organization years ago, um, was pretty, had a lot of good foresight because they, they, you know, we went down the path to really upgrade, you know, our units with the latest, greatest, uh, environmental controls and all those things to make them sustainable for the long, for as long as we can. They're definitely still a big piece of that. And, and, uh, so I'm pretty, pretty proud of that our coal units are out there running but they're some of the cleanest in the country you know they're yeah. uh, um but uh i think that's what they'll tell you though we're, we're still challenged we don't uh you know uh, a, a megawatt of uh, electricity uh, doesn't uh you know make the money on it today that that you did years ago so um we have to continue to watch watch costs we're a regulated utility we have to do what's best for our customers you know um so i think that's doing more with less is what they would tell you uh first is probably the biggest challenge if i went to go ask them are you guys generating with those renewables? Are you actually participating in the winds as well? Oh yeah, we're. And, and okay. I, I, I don't I don't quote me on this one, but I think we're we're definitely within the, the top ten. I think of as far as wind energy producers in the country. I mean, we we have a ton. Um, I don't know how many. It's over well over a thousand, I think, wind turbines and in, in, in out in yeah. West Kansas, yeah. Yeah. So that's really interesting, right? I mean, that that's a change that affects all the 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 guys that were previously, you know, working on fossil fuel generation and supporting, you know, building out and supporting that infrastructure. Um, now have to be retrained and you know reskill to be able to handle you know some of the the new capabilities that you're building into the network. Yeah. So and then at the same time, 
as you're going through all of that change, now you're saying, hey, we also need to roll out this new enterprise asset management software so that we can track all of the work and track all of the equipment that we're doing at the same time, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's pretty neat though, because we're, we're such a diverse uh, company now um, within the two states. We have wind turbines. So we have people, you know, we have wind turbine techs that are up tower working on a wind turbine in West Kansas. And then, you know, um, you could go far east and we've got, uh, you know, we've, we've got folks down down on the ground, on, you know, working on working on uh, uh, coal, you know, uh, fossil fuel boilers still and stuff. And yeah, and they're very different. The cultures are different everywhere you go. You know, some some of them are going to, you know, the technology, they, they embrace it well. They love it. Others, though, they it's going to be a bigger challenge for them. So, yeah. So as you look out ahead of some of the change that that you are helping to facilitate, I often ask this on on this show, and I'm curious to get your take on it. Is especially as a freshly minted pro sci guy now, um, what's your take on the difference between supporting change for the men and women on the front lines versus supporting change for the folks that are working in an office? And I, I suspect with an EAM initiative as as big as what you guys are rolling out, there are both profiles of workers, right? There's some folks oh, yeah. that are going to be working on a desktop system back at the headquarters. And there are other folks that are going to be interacting, you know, in the field. Is that change strategy or the tactics different between those two different profiles of workers? Well, I think you, you absolutely. And that's, that's part of what we do in the, you know, in our change management activities is we have to understand all the different personas that are out there. Um, because it could absolutely be different. I think in the end, the goals are, are the same. We want people to engage, you know, and adopt and use the new that we're, we're bringing, right? Um, but I think uh, the, the way we get there and then and the way they're impacted is very different. So we do have to, you know, understand uh, the impacts down to the user um, and then make sure we're, we're taking uh, and, and doing, you know, you know, when we talk about the different things that we're armed with from change practitioners, you know, whether it's, you know, communication or engaging with people more or, or engaging with their leadership, or, or maybe it's a training activity or whatever it may be, um, we have to really make sure we think about the unique role. Um, and for the, and the differences, I think for, you know, for some of those people that uh, um, you, it, it's all about what's in it for me, right? It's you, you have to get down to the level and be able to speak to somebody, not the corporate speak, not that, that mumbo, you know, um, but get down to that point to where you can articulate to at end user how it's going to impact them in their role. Um, and I think that's that's where that's where it's important. And it is different between the two. It's different for the person behind the desk than it is yeah. than yeah. the mechanic out there on, on the floor swinging a hammer. You bet. Yeah. So one thing that's really interesting about your background is how recently you were in a completely different role, right? So. When I look back and, and see you were superintendent of maintenance and had 70 maintenance employees, you know, rolling up to you in that part of the organization, you were not part of a change team, at least in, in the formal sense at the time. Yeah. And that, if, if I'm looking at this right, that's only a couple of years ago, right? So I, I'm just, I'm wondering if, if, as you've been through this process of really absorbing you know, certainly pro-size framework, but just this this program overall, have you thought back to things that you did as a leader in the business prior and said, oh yeah, that's why that didn't work right? Or maybe on the positive side, like, oh yeah, that's probably why we had some success on that initiative. Have you have you thought back at all? Or are you just totally so focused on going forward that you haven't looked in the rearview mirror at all? No, no, I, I absolutely have thought back and I, I, I still do. I think Part of, and I'm, I'm going to put myself back, you know, a couple of years when I wasn't, didn't know as much about people change management, but I may have thought I did, but, um, 
but I really didn't because I had a lot of change going on too. Even with that group, that department, that 75, we, we yeah. were, we had a lot of people that were retiring. I mean, I think within uh, just the first two or three years there, I think, uh, um, I think we rehired about half of half of the shop because literally we had people there um, that had been long-term and I'm talking 35, 40 years and your employees that actually were there when they built the place. They wow. were all retiring in droves. So I was doing a lot of hiring and bringing new people on, which was an exciting time, right? Because I got get to bring new people in, but we had a ton of experience walking out the door. So there was a lot of change going on there too, that I'm telling you, I, I could have used the change tools that I have today then. Um, because um, what you get so busy with, because while we're doing that, while we're trying to, you know, kind of rebuild, rebuild the department there too, you, you know, we're, we're trying to maintain and operate a a power plant too. And you get caught up in the day to day so much. So I have, you know, I still have that, you know, I, I still uh, am in contact with, with a lot of those folks, you know, and even the people that, you know, I'm friends with even some of the people that, that took my role over there too. I still engage them quite a bit, but I feel, I feel for them and I know what they go through every day and then trying to implement a huge change like this and then trying, trying to just throw it on them. Um, I really want to help, you know, them the best we can set them up and be there to support them um, and outfit them with tools and whatever they need, because I know that this isn't, you know, our change isn't the only thing that they have going on. In fact, it's small comparison to what they're doing every day, but it's huge and it's going to be impactful. So I definitely do think back. Uh, but I think that's the biggest thing is to me is learning that there is there is a whole separate uh, um, um line of knowledge and skill out there when it comes to leading people through through a change as to as opposed to just managing the trying to manage the changes that are coming around if you don't go if, if you don't have a framework and you don't have something to help you some knowledge there it, it's 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 more challenging and it's not it's not as effective so yeah now flipping that around and looking forward at the initiatives that you're working on now <clears throat> i imagine that your background impacts how you are thinking about this change and probably providing some perspective to the rest of this change team. Share, share with me maybe some examples of something that I, I can see a scenario where maybe some things would be very obvious to you that would be good ideas or not good ideas, right? On this new initiative based on your previous experience. And, and I just wonder if you've had an opportunity to share that with the rest of the team to say like, guys, that's a really bad idea. I've been out in the, in the facility and we really shouldn't do it that way. Have there been any of those stories? Well, I, I think, you know, one of the nice things that, uh, you know, we, we do, and when we, we kind of restarted our, our, our change with the second wave of the process, our change uh, um, um, strategy, we went out initially um, and we actually went to the sponsors of our project. And you talk about sponsors on a project, you know, they're pretty high level, you know, there are, we have some pretty high level executives that have to be behind this, you know, and we went out and actually, you know, talked to them. We, we, we went and did a, a, a session with those folks um, and, and talked about to them, gave them some of the change management tools to help them understand as a sponsor, here's why, here's why it's so important that you, you're actively in, active and visible, you know, within, within this project and that you have a coalition that you build with, with your peers and with your, you know, your, um, the, you know, the leadership that works directly for you and, and just communicate to the, to our frontline folks. And so we, we went around and we did interviews with all of them too. And, uh, you know, we learned things along the way, um, as we got down, moved down the chain of leadership and interviewed people too. Um, we, we learned things that we, we brought back to those sponsors as well, you know, and just to kind of help, uh, um, 
help them understand what the pulse is. Right. And then, so we did learn things. Um, but I think I started out this project in a different role as an SME that was involved in those workshops and the development and all that stuff, you know, as a technical stand from a technical standpoint. But after I moved off that, I didn't have the, I don't have the opportunity to sit in in that line, on the technical side anymore. I'm, I'm focused on our people and then our end users, right? That's where my focus is. So I think they're, uh, you know, I think what we, and that's where we're at today is getting out there and hearing um, things from those end users, you know, understanding as we're presenting the, and those change impacts to them and just making sure we're bringing that information back to the project team and to our leaders too, to make sure they understand these, this is what, this is what's going to impact our folks. And this is what they, they think today. Um, we got to make sure we articulate that well. And if, if it is truly going to be a problem, we need to, we need to work through that yeah. with them. Yeah. You know? I usually, um, you know, you're, you're in a different spot because you are looking out forward on this initiative, right? You still have several years ahead of you on this overall program, but I, I often like to explore on the show if, if there've been any mistakes or just lessons learned uh, on previous projects and previous initiatives that might, you know, affect your behavior and, and how you lead change going forward. It may be a little bit premature in this case, but are, are there any examples of things that come to mind where you've you've already learned some things in this journey that are affecting how you're handling things going forward? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, and I think it goes back to the far, the, with the with the the fact that we started out. Um, you know, we didn't really have a good you know when it comes to change management, we didn't have a good strategy in place at the start with our first rollout. Part of it was because we it just we we went in it too so fast we didn't have time really to had you know the 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 milestones and the timeline involved with that were just crazy but anyway we we got it we got the the first wave of the the project rolled out and the system rolled out but i think um to me what what i've learned too is we we have to take the time to get out and get feedback and engage and, and pull people those end users in as many as we can um to, to, to really get things out in front of them and, and kind of show, you know, show them and, and get their feedback. Um, we have a pretty large power user group now with this, you know, this, this project that I'm currently on impacts, I don't know, 2,500 people or so. Um, we've got a pretty large uh, power user group that we engage with weekly now that are, they're end users that are in the seats out there today, but uh, there's about, uh, about 160 of them that we meet with every Wednesday. Wow. Um, and when we do, we do familiarization with them and we show them, you know, different pieces of the process and the tools and different things. We get their feedback. We, we, uh, um, it's, it's twofold. We're, we're trying to familiarize them before we get them to training. So, so they're, you know, more of a power user and they know the system better and they're more system SMEs, but we also hear them out and want to, want to use that feedback, you know, bring that back to the project team as well. So, um, one of the things I know one we're, we're, kind of talk we're going to talk a little bit you know more about mobile and mobile devices and frontline workers and and technology there too but um one of the things that uh you know we're deploying a bunch of of tablets out there to folks um and one of the things we decided you know to do um this is based on just feedback from others in industry on rollouts that didn't go quite as well is we decided to take a step back before we you know put in big orders for um you know, a couple thousand tablets to, 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 to do some pilots with those end users and get out there, put the different options in people's hands. You know, everybody likes that, likes their iPads or everybody likes their windows devices and all that stuff like that. And, and, uh, um, we got out there and did some pilots with end users and got feedback from them, put it in their hands with the different accessories, the different size tablets and all that, and got good feedback from them before we put, put orders in. So that's an example, you know, 
of one of the things that we, we did. We certainly didn't want to buy all those things and then find out that for some reason, a certain group didn't want to use them because they were too big or they couldn't use them because they were too big, you know? Yeah. What's an example of something that you guys learned? Were you close enough to that piece of the project to, to know maybe some lessons learned from the feedback from, from the men and women in the field? Yeah, I didn't. Uh, so that was part of, I wasn't actually out on, on the road with them when yep. they did that. We did it actually pretty, pretty quick uh, there at the end of the year last year. But uh, I think one of the, um, that that's that that piece of it is just um it, it, you wouldn't think and if, you know from us sitting back you know i i like i like a certain size tablet i like the big you know bigger one that i can see better but we have groups like you know there there's there's operations folks out there for instance that that causes real problems for them the size it's got to be a smaller size because of multiple different reasons right the way they have to or they they like the ability the ability of you know being able to stick it in their back pocket or something like that and and uh, that stuff if if you want people to use it to the way that we need them to use it, it it's got to be right. And it's different, right? Our, our maintenance crafts were just the opposite. They, they, they like the bigger ones, you know? Right. So, um, yeah. I, I love this example. I mean, this, this comes up a lot, uh, probably in part because I bring it up all the time, but I, you know, to me that what you just described, it just, uh, I think is so important in the process of, you know, before we even talk about training, before we even talk about change management, actually, maybe that's really a part of change management, but I, you know, it's, it's, if we're engaging those folks from the start and really getting their feedback and for the project team, who's probably never spent a day in the life doing that role to go out and solicit that feedback from them and learn about, like you just said, you know, one, one subgroup wanted a smaller device that they can fit in their pocket. Another group who's maybe looking at schematics and things like that wants yep. as much screen real estate as they can get. Right. And so one size isn't going to fit all. And it doesn't fit all in our consumer lives. Why would it make sense to do that, you know, in in, in an enterprise environment at the same time, right? So I, I think that's such a great element of any successful project is getting that feedback so that when things do start getting distributed and we're actually going into a production state, they feel like they had some ownership and the solution's more likely to match up with what they were hoping to see. Yep, absolutely. We're doing another thing right now too. We're trying to, because again, we're, we're an organization of, um, merge companies, right? So with that comes different, you know, the business, the business processes and um, that came with those, you know, even though we're, we're about four or five years into a new company, you know, those, those things still exist out there as we're trying to align. And another, another area that I'm pretty passionate about is maintenance and reliability in general. Um, and from an organization, um, we're, we're trying to standardize um, at, with this project, roll out new maintenance and reliability best practices that everybody can kind of hang their hat on. And we, we're kind of, you know, from a performance measurement standpoint, we're measuring the same things and, and different, you know, same metrics and KPIs across the board. But same way with that, one of the things that, uh, you know, if you want people to own that, they have to, they have to have a piece in building it, right? If you want them to truly own it, you got to give them a yeah. piece of that. So one of the things we're working on right now is trying to put together kind of some facilitated discussions with all of our different facilities, uh, their leadership to bring together maintenance and reliability to kind of immerse them in, in that and then help, you know, with their feedback, help build together collectively, um, you know, the, the, the standards that we're going to roll out uh, with that too. So, yeah, that's really exciting, man. I'm excited for you guys in, in this project. So what's the contribution that you've made um, and, and I'm, I'm going to ask this question across your entire career, but it sounds like there's some things that are very fresh on your mind, but the contribution that you've made that you're most proud of. Um, 
I, th- I think in, in, in general, I, uh, I'm, I'm a very, I'm a very technical person for one. So that's, that's my background. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, that's one of the things, you know, throughout my career, when you talk about people side of that, um, you talk about the soft skills that a leader has and whatnot. Um, those are the things that I got to work on. Right. So, um, from a technical side, I'm always just, I'm very, very interested in anything technical. So I want to first drive and say that, you know, when I, I, I say that, uh, answering that question and is there's just technical things, you know, from a, from a standpoint that I think I'm most proud of, but I really, that's not the case. That's what I'm most comfortable with is the technical side. That's a good distinction. Now, I, think, I think what I'm, what I'm most comfortable with is, uh, um, is, is the times when I've been able to just take the time to really engage, engage with people, whether it's people that are working, you know, that, that, that have reported to me and I've had the, you know, been blessed to be able to work, work with them, um, and provide them any, you know, any learnings that I could or coach them in any way. Um, but I think that's where, when I have opportunities where I can teach people, um, things, um, and, and maybe make their lives better, um, that, that's the, that's what I'm most proud of, I think. Uh, and, and it's not, a lot of that comes because I've, I've made, I've made mistakes throughout my career and that's how I've learned, you know, some of the best lessons is because I've been involved in those mistakes. And if I can teach people stuff and make their lives a little easier and then make, uh, um, you know, make it so where they don't make those mistakes and they do better. That's, that's what I'm most proud of. Yeah, that's, that's great. I appreciate you sharing that in you know, I've spent a lot of time around industrial companies, you know, energy utility companies like what you're at today. And I find that the, the men and women in the field have a very high bar for uh, credibility of folks around them, right? So um, they don't want to take information. I, this is a big generalization. I do recognize that. But they don't want to take information from just anybody, right? They want to know that the people that they're taking guidance from have the right credentials, the right experience um, to, to be giving that advice and guidance. And so I think you're in such a, a neat position where you've actually been in the field, you've been doing many of those jobs. And now, even though your, your role is a little bit different in the mix, you must just come to the table with an abundance of, of credibility, especially because of that deep technical background that you were just describing. So even though it's a, a different role than being a leader, you have deep expertise in that role. And uh, I, I bet that just allows you to be just a super effective communicator with those folks. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. One of the things that um, has been a challenge, but it's definitely helped with what you just described as helped is in this role to change the lead. I do get out there. I'm in front of a lot of, a lot of folks on the project. Um, so I don't know everybody, you know, I, I worked at a, I was part of one part of the legacy of this company. But we have other, you know, we have many other facilities that I, I don't know any of these people. They don't know me from from anybody, right? It's uh, yeah. but that does, you know, the people that I talk to, um, and I'm getting out and in front of them and engaging with, I've, I've sat in most of their seats. Maybe at a different different plant, right? Maybe not exactly, but I can relate very much to what what their days look like. Um, and I, uh, you know, once they, they kind of know my, my background too, they, I think they're a little bit more comfortable, at least from that standpoint, not knowing me that, uh, um, it was a little credibility. I think, I don't know that it's perfect, but yeah. Yeah. That's good. Hey, uh, I, this time is going fast as it always does. Believe it or not, I'm, I'm already up to, uh, kind of my last question here. So the, the last thing I just want to throw out at you is, um, 
And we've actually touched on some of the foundation of this question already, but I, I just want to start looking out ahead. And when we're, we're thinking about the men and women that you're interacting with on the front lines, they've been absorbing a lot of change. You're talking about the transition from going from paper into digital. What do you think the future of frontline workers in your organization looks like two, three, five years out? And, um, you know, how prepared are they to, to make that change? Yeah. And I'm going to, I'll just go, yeah, five years out. <laughs> if I had to look out that far out, I think that's, you know, at least for this, uh, for our generation project for this one, we should be, should be pretty well wrapped up by then. But, um, I, I really see, uh, I, I do see people once they learn, um, cause the challenge is, is they know, they know the old, they know their current state really well. Um, and we're, I think they're, they're going to be hesitant to let go of that until they get more comfortable with the new. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think once, once they get there, because I, I know what, I, I do know what's coming. Um, it's not, you know, I think once we, we roll out and initially go live, there'll definitely be some challenges along the way as we work the kinks out. But I think once they see, um, I'll give you an example. Once a, a maintenance planner, for instance, uh, can can see that uh, not just be able to see the parts that are on their shelf right there at their local facility, but they can go across our entire two state area and see a part that, hey, you got a part over there in, in Kansas and I need that. Um, I think they're going to see the benefit from that and they're going to be able to see that in the field on a mobile device. See, that's even more cool, you know. Right. Um, and so I think, you know, for those folks that I mean, we have people today that one of the challenges we hear that is that I have people that uh, they still have flip phones and you want to put a tablet in their hand. Yep. <laughs> we do. Yep. So and we're, we're going to, um, but I think once they, they see just that too, that they can, uh, they're going to be able to pull up that tablet and, and uh, be able to pull a drawing up that they would have to go. They may not even get it for days before, because depending on if the person's there, that can pull that form. They're going to be able to pull it up and it's going to be attached right to their work corner on their tablet right yeah. there in, in the field. You know, we've went through and part of this project too, we've installed the Wi-Fi infrastructure in all the facilities too, to make sure that all these tablets are going to communicate um, out there for them. And, and uh, you know, they're going to be able to see too eventually. And we talk about like lockout tag out, you know, that, that they're, they're involved, but they're going to be able to see almost immediately, you know, the changes in, in status of, of as, as their lockout tag outs are, are status and hung and the equipment's made safe. I mean, I think they're, once they see that stuff, they're, they're going to really embrace it and like it. Um, but it's going to take us a little bit to get there. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that is what you just described is one of my favorite parts about being involved in tech deployments to the men and women on the front line. I know there's a lot of anxiety and frustration uh, on their part about having to be on the receiving side of a lot of this change. And so we see so much, you know, pushback and just reluctance to, to adopt in the beginning, but man, when it, it just feels good, when you have a couple of those folks that you go back out to visit weeks or months later and, you know, you're kind of checking in on their project and now you, that you couldn't take those devices out of their hands, you yeah. know, <laughs> if their lives depended on it, I'm like, that's where we wanted to be. And so sometimes it just takes, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a hill to get over on, you know, on the initial side, but once they do get over that initial hesitation and anxiety and they're embracing it and they're really using it and to see how uh, deeply ingrained it becomes as, as part of their day. I, I mean, for me, that is just super rewarding. And um, so it, it sounds like you guys are, are well on your way to achieving that outcome. Yeah, I think if uh, in five years from now, what I, what I really hope to see is, is uh, if you take that tablet away from somebody, that device away from them, they, they, 
they, they won't know what to do. You know, yeah. it's, uh, it's so ingrained in what they do every day and, and the, the efficiencies that are gained with it and, and the, just the, the value that it'll bring to them in their job. I think it'll be pretty cool. Yeah. Right now they say, well, how am I supposed to do my job and use this tablet? Right. And then what we hope to get to is in a year from now when they're using the tablet they, and you try to take away and they would say, well, how am I supposed to do my job without this tablet? Right. Right. Yeah. So uh, that transition is is why you're there. And um, it sounds like you guys are, are well on your way to making that successful. So I appreciate you sharing those, some of those stories and, and sharing your background. Um, as I said, at the top of, of the conversation, this is going to go super fast. I knew you were going to have some, some great stories, um, just, you know, based on the things that uh, I knew you were involved with. So thank you very much for sharing those and, and your wisdom and experience um, that led us to here. So thank you for taking the time today. Absolutely. Glad, glad to be here. And uh, yeah, it's glad to, glad to talk with you. I'm, I'm pretty passionate about talking about some of this stuff. So it's been, yeah. been good. It's good. You know, it's something that I've seen is kind of a common theme with with folks that are involved in change management. They are advocates for, you know, um, for change period for for having a, a change strategy. And um, they, they often demonstrate a lot of empathy for the men and women that that are affected by the change projects that they're working on. So uh, you certainly resemble that and uh, reflect that, I should say. <laughs> and uh, so I, I really appreciate sharing those stories. Yeah. Okay, well, we need to wrap it up uh, for our audience. I hope you found this conversation as enjoyable as I have. And, uh, you know, we're asking everybody to please take just a minute, um, share and rate the podcast. I, I always joke that, you know, like on, on the YouTube shows that you watch, they tell you that you're supposed to smash the like button. I I'm not even sure if there is a like button in the uh, podcast tools, but uh, you can certainly give a rating and those ratings really help ensure that it gets promoted to other professionals like you that are innovating on the front lines. This podcast is sponsored by Skillful, the mobile digital adoption platform for deskless and frontline workers. Visit the website at skillful.com. Don't forget there's a Y in that. It's S-K-Y-L-L-F-U-L.com. And we're always looking for more guests for the show. So if you or someone you know is out there innovating on the front lines, we'd love to hear about it. Please reach out to me on LinkedIn and share your story or make an introduction to somebody else. And uh, we'll see if we can get them lined up for the show. Thanks again for the time today, Jason. And um, we'll see you soon.